Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today will be session 10 in our study through the book of Galatians. Uh, last time we were together, uh, we got down to verse number 12, Galatians chapter 2, verse number 12. So today we're just going to review a little bit there and uh, and then just keep going through the chapter, and let's see how far we can get in about 20 minutes. So uh, today is May the 2nd, and um, so let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, and let's just pick up in verse number 11, and we'll move forward from there. And of course, in this, this section of Scripture, we see Paul opposing Peter. Uh, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain Jews came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. And when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So what's going on here in these verses? Well, whenever this took place, it had to have been after the council in Acts chapter number 15. Um, Peter here, for some reason, had come to Antioch. Um, and I think I mentioned down here, you know, why was Peter in Antioch? Um, I believe that he was just wanting to see firsthand what's, what God was doing among the Gentiles through Paul's ministry. After all, Paul had went back, gave him an update at the Jerusalem Council. And um, so, but the problem was what Peter was doing while he was there. Peter was apparently functioning under the law in the presence of them which were of the circumcision, referring to the Jews, but not so when the Jews were not around. Um, and the fact that it says here, and Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood into his face because he was to be blamed for that before certain Jews came from James, which means these guys would have come from Jerusalem, they would have been kingdom believers, but before they got there, Peter was eating with the Gentiles, um, which under the law he shouldn't have been doing. But when they were come, the Jews from Jerusalem, he withdrew himself, separated himself, because he was afraid of the Jews that were coming um, that came from James. So the problem here is that Peter was being duplicitous. Peter was playing the hypocrite. He was being one thing to the Jews and another thing to the Gentiles. Um, there's no doubt in my mind at this point that Peter had already approved of, uh, accepted the gospel of grace that Paul was teaching, um, but he himself never taught it. I mean, you remember at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15 when they departed, Peter said, I'll go to the circumcised, you go to the uncircumcised. And of course, Peter was going to the circumcised with the kingdom gospel, which I submit to you is all that Peter ever taught. Uh, all of Peter's letters are written to Jews. They're written to kingdom-believing Jews, Jews who had accepted the gospel of the kingdom, they had repented, they had been baptized, and they were waiting for the restoration of the kingdom. 
always. So Peter, no doubt, had, on the other hand, had accepted the gospel that Paul was preaching, which was the grace gospel that did not involve repentance and baptism, and they were not looking for a kingdom. Uh, Our promises are heavenly promises. I don't think Paul understood that at this point. I don't think Peter understood that at all at this point. But the point I'm trying to make is obviously Peter had embraced Paul's gospel in the in the fact that he had he understood it, he approved it, he realized what Paul was doing. So now he's in Antioch and he's hanging out with the Gentiles and he's not walking in the law. But then when his fellow Jewish bros show up from Jerusalem, oh, he backs away, he pulls himself away from those Gentiles he was just eating with. Um and he was being a hypocrite about it. And that is why uh, Paul rebukes him for his hypocrisy. And make no, no mistake, these Jews that were coming up from Jerusalem were them which were of the circumcision, uh, but it was also they were kingdom-believing Jews. Uh, so when they came in, Paul Peter backed away, and he played the hypocrite. Um I mentioned this last time, so many have this notion that from Acts 2 following, the Jews did not keep the law. That is simply not true. And I told you that a lot of people think the mystery that was revealed to Paul was that, and what he revealed at the Jerusalem Council was that now that the Jews were Christians, they shouldn't be keeping the law. That is not what uh, Paul told them at all. Uh, Matter of fact, when we get all the way over into Acts chapter number 20, they are still keeping the law, and they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after our customs. Paul wasn't teaching that all. On the contrary, he was teaching that to the Gentiles, but he wasn't teaching that to the Jews. Uh, in verse 20, And when they heard, heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Seest thou, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe? Believe what? Believe the kingdom gospel. And they are zealous for the law. They always kept the law. Peter and them continued to go uh, to the temple they can, throughout his lifetime until it was destroyed in 70 AD. And then they could no longer go to the temple. It wasn't there anymore. So they couldn't keep uh, every facet of the law at that point. Um, so, you know, this, this notion that, um, that in Acts chapter number two, all of a sudden these Jews became Christians and they were supposed to stop keeping the law, um, that's just not found in the Bible at all. They continued to keep the law. So another thing that I find interesting here is that the fact that Peter was rebuked by Paul speaks to the fact of Paul's newfound authority, which the Twelve had accepted and recognized. They realized who Paul was. They realized that the mystery that had been revealed to him was indeed from God. And they accepted Paul's apostolic authority. Now, notice in verse number 13, And other Jews dissembled likewise with him, inasmuch as Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. This means that Peter, um, because of what he was doing in his hypocrisy, he was leading others to be hypocrites as well. Other Jews, other kingdom Jews, were playing the same uh, duplicitous uh, game 
as Peter was. Um, in the the New American Standard, there in verse number 13, it says, and the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. Uh, and the result was that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Um, make no mistake, people are watching. People were watching Peter. Other kingdom-believing Jews were watching Peter to see how he would respond to these Gentiles, and they followed along with him. But at the same time, as soon as Peter backed away from the Gentiles because he was afraid of the Jews that were coming up from Jerusalem from James, they also followed him in that. People follow. There's nothing more destructive, I believe, than hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is its where we get the word actor. It is pretending to be something you're not. Um, it's hypocrite is the word. It's where we get the masks for the theater with the smiley face and the sad face. Uh, you're pretending. You're feigning to be something. That is where we get the word actor. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of young people, uh, and I talk to their families, both in my job as a recruiter and, you know, just my daily dealings living in a town with a huge Christian university, and there are secular uh, universities here as well. I tell people that I would rather see a young person attend a blatantly heathen university than to go to one that pretends to be Christian. Why? Because it's always easier to fight when you know who your enemy is. Because if you go into a hostile environment, it's going to make you, it's either going to take you out or it's going to make you stronger. But when you go into an environment where everybody's pretending to be something that they're not, it's like slowly poisoning yourself. You will become like them over a period of time. And I see it. You see it. Um, so, And there's a lot of Christian, quote, Christian universities out there. They're not Christian. They haven't been Christian in decades. You know, they got some deserted chapel somewhere um, that that's completely ignored. And some founders who have rolled over in their graves decades ago over what the school has turned into. Um, I remember my pastor when I was young, Dr. Sotler, used to say, uh, liberals never create anything. They just take over. Um, and that's true. They don't create anything. They didn't create Harvard. They didn't create Yale. They didn't create Baylor. They didn't create Furman. Uh, they didn't create anything, but they take over uh, because they don't want our God, but they want our education. They don't want our God, but they want our hospitals. They don't want our God, but they want our, our orphanages and our children's homes. They don't want our God, you know, but they want our missionaries, you know. Um, liberals don't, don't, don't create anything. They just take over. Dr. Sotler was correct when he said that. Uh, notice verse number 14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said unto Cephas, Peter, in the presence of you all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So let's unpack this verse. Notice he says, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. What is the truth of the gospel? Well, Paul is referring to the grace gospel, which sets us free from the law. 
So he's saying you are not straightforward about how the gospel sets us free from the law. You're going in and out of the law based upon who you're around and who who comes. Um, so he says you're not being straightforward. You're not being honest about the truth of the gospel. Um, and again, at issue here is that by their actions, they were imposing the law and the kingdom on the Gentile believers. By their, by their actions, they were imposing the law on the Gentile believers. Um, I mean, think about it. If the Jews lived like the Gentiles, why would they tell the Gentiles to live like them? Uh, even they are incapable, <laughs> are unwilling to keep the law. And now you're telling the Gentiles that have been set free by the truth of the gospel that they, they need to put themselves back under the very same law that you obviously can't keep yourself. Um, the same can be said of the church today. Um, if we live like the world, why tell them to live like the church? Uh, there's an old saying, the boat's all right in the ocean as long as the ocean doesn't come into the boat. Uh, so many churches today they are just dying to be relevant. Oh, we want to be relevant. We want to, you know, we want to break down all the barriers of tradition. You know, the Bible has a lot of good things to say about the old landmarks. The Bible has a lot of good things to say about those things. But we want to we want to look like, walk like, talk like the world so that we can make the world comfortable in our churches. Let me tell you something. If the world is comfortable in your church, you don't have a church. Okay, you've got a country club, you've got some kind of gathering, some kind of fraternity going on there, but the church is not supposed to make the world feel comfortable. Um, and sadly, the church has become so relevant that they have become irrelevant. I talk to young people all the time that tell me that, and so many of them are fleeing uh, from these contemporary worship-type experiences because if they wanted to get that, they could pay good money and go to something far better than what you're offering from the world. And many of them are fleeing into liturgical type um, uh, denominations where it looks like a church and it sounds like a church. And they do see traditions and they do see time-honored respect for things. Um, so I, I think the church is going the wrong way in so many regards uh, to this. Um, so anyway, well, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the freedom that's offered through the grace gospel, I said to Peter in the presence of all of them, in other words, he openly rebuked him. If you're a Jew and you want to live like the Gentiles, uh, how is it that you turn around and tell the Gentiles that they need to live like you? Obviously you don't want to even want to live like you. <laughs> <laughs> so again, he, he's accusing him of hypocrisy. Now notice verse number 15. Uh, we who are Jews by nature. Now, we are Jews by nature simply refers to those who were born Jews, including Paul. And this picks up a section uh, in this chapter that we really need to pay attention to, okay? Because he's turning a corner here. He says, we who are Jews by nature. So he's, he's identifying himself with the Jewish people. And we're not sinners of the Gentiles. Um, 
He is by no means saying that the Jews aren't sinners. He's not saying that. He's just separating the Jews who were under the law, who had a relationship with Jehovah God. They're not Gentiles, and the Gentiles aren't Jews. Okay, I mean, Romans 3.23, Paul clearly says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So don't get tripped over by that language. He just says, we who are born, natural-born Jews, and not gener- uh, not lost, heathen, pagan, Gentiles. And he says, knowing uh, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even so we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. We have to understand here that, let me get down this verse because we're going to have to take this one apart just a little bit. It needs to be understood that Paul here is not addressing all Jews. He is only addressing those Jews who know, who have come to know, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. The language here makes it very clear that he is addressing those Jews who have already placed their faith in Christ and not the law. And of course, specifically, he's speaking of those Jews that were at Antioch who had placed their faith in Christ. Um, So that would mean that they were grace believers. They were Jews that Paul got to first with the grace gospel. need to understand that, and you need to remember that it was as we work our way through the rest of this, this chapter. And again, he says, that by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This has to be referring to the new dispensation of grace, because under the old dispensation of law, they were justified by keeping the law. They were justified by works. Uh, in Romans 2.13, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So Peter, Paul has to be speaking about grace believers who have come to believe that by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. So Romans 2.13 is clearly not referring to this present grace dispensation, because under the old dispensation of the law, they were justified by by their works and by keeping the law. And again, sadly, most people today mix the two and cause tremendous amounts of confusion. They frustrate grace, and we're going to talk about that. They frustrate grace by mixing the two. Another proof of that is that James says the exact opposite in James chapter 2, verse number 20. But wilt thou know, o, man, o vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest how thou faith wrought with his works, and by his works was his faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only? Sure, faith is an element of both. But under the old dispensation, 
It had to be accompanied by works. If it was not, the faith was dead, which means it wasn't there. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot justified, how? By works. When she had received the messengers, had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works. Dead also. So, when we look in Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, he's obviously addressing kingdom believers, not kingdom, but grace believers, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And even so, um, we, you remember he said, we who are Jews by nature, he says, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified how? By faith. He's definitely dealing with grace believers, Jewish faith believers of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So again, it's when we rightly divide the word of truth, and this is something I have to admit the last couple of years has just been revealed to me, we're not, we're not dividing truth from error. We're dividing truth from truth. Rightly divide the word of truth, the word of truth. It's all truth, 100% true. So what Paul is saying here, that a man can't be justified by the works of the law, is true. But what James says is also true, that by works a man is justified. They're both true. The difference is the audience. Paul is writing to grace believers, and James is writing to the house of Israel. Kingdom believers, different audiences. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. James was to the circumcision, the house of Israel. The book of James was not written to the body of Christ, but to kingdom believers. So we'll go ahead and wrap up there for the day, and I hope you guys enjoy the study. I'll get this posted just as soon as I can. God bless you. Hope you have a great Lord's Day. And always remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for our good.